Well, Happy New Year, and we return this morning to Mark chapter 4 and our study of the Gospel of Mark together. And to this point in time, we've been mostly reading about the identity of Christ as he does great and mighty deeds. He heals, he casts out demons, he takes a number of uh, adventures and really with his disciples, calling them to serve him and all. And really we've heard relatively little from him uh, regarding the, uh, the teaching that he's going to bring. As he came on the scene, you will recall, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And uh, then if you had a red letter Bible, you would see relatively little from him for a while until you get to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we have two extended passages where he teaches about this kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now he's going to tell us about it. And we begin, first of all, with a parable, a parable of the sower, chapter 4, verse 1 and following. On another occasion, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out in the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the, but because the soil was shallow, shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on, ground, on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There he was alone, the twelve and the others around him, and asked him about these parables. And he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever hearing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they bear it, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, thirty, 60 or even a hundred times what was sown. This is God's word. Let us pray. 
You, you set before us, O oh Lord, a new year. And we pray that in this year we might fear and trust you. We might respect and obey you. We might love and serve you. Let that begin today as we turn to your word and ask for your insight and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the sermon outline on pages 10 and 11 bring us to this passage. And in this passage, Jesus tells how the kingdom of God operates, how it can change a life, how it can operate on a person in such a way as to make them fruitful. He says, basically, in so many words, I can change your life if you recognize my gospel. My word, the basic message of what I came to do, is a seed. If you receive it as a seed and understand it as a seed, that will change your life. This is one of the most well-known, most expansive parables we have in the New Testament. Jesus goes to the trouble even in the recording of his word to explain it to us, so it's not so much that we're wondering what it means as we are trying to understand how it applies to our lives. When we, so the first thing I want to say is that the gospel, like a seed, has power. It's small. It's insignificant looking, but great things can come of it. When we talk about the word of God, as I say in the alley, when we talk about the word of God being a seed, what Jesus is trying to say is that the gospel has power because it has the power not of physical life so much as spiritual life, inward life. The very life of God comes into you through your understanding of the word. So if the seed, the word of God, the gospel comes in, you receive not just information, but power bringing you into a new order of life that comes with change in this life and eternal life to come. Something comes into you, something from the outside, something that you do not produce, something that is not your invention or your achievement or something you have merited. It is given to you like a farmer sows a seed among the soil. The soil has in no way paid for the seed, it has in no way even asked for it. It's just sitting there. And so we are just sitting there until God touches our life. And when he does, he does so gently and in a relatively small way. But there's power to come. Creative power, as I say, to initiate in us a spiritual life that we would not otherwise possess. So Jesus says, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, you need to take a very common illustration, an agricultural illustration, the idea of a planting of a seed. Let's start there, he says. That's a simple place to begin, and yet profound. This isn't the only place we find it. We see, as I say, I say there in the sermon outline, I'm quoting you some other passages. Peter calls it the same thing, perhaps remembering these words. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Again, using the seed illustration, but speaking now of something eternal and not just the common seed. James says, humbly accept the word which has been planted in you, which is able to save you. Again, the illustration of seed coming upon us. And Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
So though it is a small and insignificant thing, there is something here that is very powerful. And this will be part of his theme throughout the whole chapter of four. We'll get to it next week as well. He'll talk about how the kingdom of God is unique and different from anything else in the world. It is the unique kingdom of God, and you won't find it in the kingdom of man in any parallel way. So to apply the first point, the gospel message has real information and content that changes lives. It is not theoretical abstractions or inspiring stories. Something's going on here that's organic and real. The seed may look insignificant, the seed may not have much power on its own, but great things can come from it. He'll talk later in the chapter about a mustard seed being very small, and he'll draw the contrast between the smallness of the seed and the greatness of the result. And indeed, the smallness of any seed compared to the result of it is quite remarkable. And of course, nothing comes from nothing, so if you don't have a seed, you don't get a tree, you don't get a full and flowering fruit. So something significant has to happen and it has to come from God as he distributes his word and as he brings it to his people and as it falls in various places. And the question is, has this seed come into your life? Have, have you experienced the implantation of this seed? We speak of the spirit, that's another illustration. The invisible work of God, but it's also true, the New Testament picture is one of a seed coming into a soil and producing great things. And if you haven't had that seed implanted in your heart, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, then great things will not result and the rest of the sermon will not apply. So again, I appeal to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. Now how does this gospel release that power, secondly? The way the power of the gospel is released is by it going in deeply. You see, there are three surface implantations, if you can call it that. In one case, they're just scattered on the top of the soil, and one deep implantation. And the difference is that the deep one holds and the other three don't. The three soils that are unproductive are the soils where the seed does not penetrate to any meaningful depth, as I say in the outline. Spiritual strength comes from depth. So not only is this kingdom small, in many ways it's hidden. It's, it's inside. It can't be measured easily and it, is, it does its best work when it works its way deeply down within us. The way this power is released in my life and your life is by taking the information, the gospel message, and listening and thinking and reflecting and discussing and applying it over and over again, working it more deeply into the soil of our lives. This is the ministry of the Church of Jesus Christ around the world, taking the seed and working it more deeply into the lives of each one of us. This is the work of the Spirit in the church worldwide, taking the gospel message and the information that is there and working it until it becomes the part of the fabric of our life much more deeply. And the productive soil 
of course, is productive because the seed is placed more deeply within it. An illustration. After Jesus went into heaven, left his disciples with the Holy Spirit, and they gathered together in many places, they had their own kind of conflict from time to time. And one of the big conflicts was what to do with the Gentiles who were coming to Christ and believing in him and yet were not circumcised. They didn't observe the, the rituals and ceremonies and festivals of the Old Testament. In fact, they didn't know and in most cases didn't care that David was the king of Israel. How do we bring these people into the church? And many people said, like Peter, it's not worth the trouble. We don't want them. Leave them alone. But in Acts 15, they had a council and they agreed that they couldn't do that. That that wouldn't be in keeping with the gospel. And as the gospel was working more deeply into the lives of the people, they began to make wiser choices. And Peter agreed, but he didn't agree. And so later in Galatia, when the, uh, or later when Paul mentions this in Galatians, he says, I had to go to Peter and confront him in person because this part of the gospel was not working down into his life. This part of the truth of God just was not penetrating his understanding. And I embarrassed him publicly by saying, you can't sit over here with the Jews, you must also eat with the Gentiles. It was a painful moment. But that's how the gospel works down into our lives. Have you worked the gospel down into the roots of your life so that you begin to live by faith instinctively? Now that's, that's difficult to evaluate for ourselves. But ask your spouses, ask your close friends, do you see Jesus in me? Do you see the gospel working more deeply into my life? Do you see any effect of all these sermons and Bible studies and devotions and is it working inside of me? Do you see Jesus coming through me? Productive Christian life, the kingdom of God, flourishes when the seed, the gospel, goes deeply within the lives of his people. And it cleans up our language, it cleans up our thoughts, it cleans up our relationships, it cleans up our habits, so that gradually, as the Spirit of God works within us by His Word more deeply into our lives, we are changed, transformed, more and more into His image, Paul says. More and more looking actually and acting actually like Jesus. When the Gospel works more deeply into our lives. So one of the key questions for us in this new year and in this passage is, what am I doing to work the gospel deeply into my life, all the way to the roots, so that life will come? As I say in the application section of the second point, how do I do this? Well, we must listen, we must ask, we must knock, we must seek, as Jesus said. The first word of this parable, verse 2, listen. Listen. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 9. Listen. 
listen to his word, listen to what he says, and the gospel will begin to work more deeply inside of you. One illustration. The Bible speaks a lot about the fear of the Lord. It says it's the beginning of wisdom. And on many occasions in the life of Moses and the New Testament and Old Testament, we are taught to fear the Lord, that is to revere him, to reverence him, to be awestruck by him. And yet, because he is invisible, because he is so gracious, because he is so long-suffering and patient with us, we tend to say, I don't fear him. We tend to show by our lives that we don't fear the Lord. That we're not afraid of him. We say, I'll do what I'll do. That should stop. I'm talking to me. One of my goals for myself in 2016 is that I would more and more fear the Lord. Respect him. Act like he's standing right next to me. And seek to do his will in everything. And not postpone my obedience. And not put off my service. But right now, right here, under the uh, active fear of the Lord, I will do as he says. I will obey. I will follow. I will go. I need to do better at that. And that's one of the ways the gospel works itself down into my life. Is to fear, respect, reverence, and trust the Lord. As if you stand right here. As if I was literally accountable to him, with him looking over my shoulder at everything I did, knowing every thought, knowing every word. The fear of the Lord. That's what I want more of for 2016. And that's what one way that the gospel will work more deeply into my life. Now what is the secret of its power? We'll come into this a bit more next week. But let's not forget that a seed is a weak and small thing. There are two types of faith. Extrinsic faith, serving God for what you get and for what he can do for you and in order to get things. And there is intrinsic faith, serving God to get him for his own sake. Fear of the Lord moves in the direction of fearing God and trusting God for his own sake. Jesus is saying, when I tell you parables, it's like a filter. I'm applying a filter to your life. The people who are really interested in me, who really want to figure it out, who want to work it more deeply into their lives, will seek to understand these things. But very few do. 75% of the soils are not productive. Very few do. The seed is so mild, so meek, and so weak. It is not rapidly dynamic, but it is only the appearance of weakness. For the gospel is actually the most powerful source in the world and is stronger than death. So we're dealing with dynamite here a little tiny seed that explodes. If you've seen these botanical experiments, you've seen this rapid 
release cameras and stuff. The, the, the soil, when a seed has been planted in a fertile soil, it just bursts forward, in, especially in agricultural plantings. Tremendous power in the small and insignificant things. The gospel is actually the most powerful force in the world. And you want to be a part of that. Not so what you could get, but so that you can just be a part of what he's doing. Now this first soil is, can be illustrated by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They rejected him. They heard him. They saw him. They met him. But they rejected him. The second soil can be represented by the crowds. They wanted the miracles and the dramatic, but they didn't want him. No intrinsic faith. They wanted what they could get from him. And the third soil can be illustrated by his family. where They did not want to lose honor due to what he is doing. And remember they said, he's out of his mind. They disclaimed him. They wanted nothing to do with him. This guy's weird. This guy's wacky. We understand why you don't understand what he's saying because we don't either. But Jesus said that his life cannot be released in us unless he becomes a seed and goes into the ground and dies. And so he did. This is what he said in John 12. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And anyone who loves their life will lose it, and while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And so Jesus says, I am that seed that died, that there might be life. I went into the grave and came out with a burst of power unto the world that has never been slackened. So what do we know? We know that Jesus tried to explain the kingdom of God often. And in doing so, he many times used parables. And in those parables, he tried to illustrate aspects of the kingdom of God. Not one par no one parable illustrates all of the aspects of the kingdom of God, but this parable shows us some important things. First of all, the seed is compared to the word of God, and it is very small, and it is very unimpressive. Its lack of glamour is a problem down to today. People want what is outwardly glittering and exciting. People want to be able to see immediately what the return is, what the power, what, what, the, what the result will be. And Jesus insists that his kingdom is going to advance and advance and advance and advance, but it's going to advance as a little seed. And in John 6 it says that a whole crowds were coming to hear him, and when they got this, Many turned away. And the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and when he listened and when he got this, he went away sad. I'm looking for the goodies. I'm looking for the excitement. I'm looking for the thrill. I'm looking for the power. Where is it? I want to see it. And if I see it, I want to buy it. I want to have it. I want to own it. 
And down to today, Jesus says, my kingdom's not like that. And if that's what you want, you, you'll find power all right, but not what you're looking for. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, you have to follow me. Let the word of God be implanted within you, this imperishable seed, and let it do its work. And as it does its work, it's going to work, it not only is outwardly unimpressive, but it's going to work in your life in a slow way. It's not going to be an overnight Jack and the Beanstalk situation. He's going to work slowly and yet perceptibly in your heart to change and transform it day by day, incident by incident, trust by trust, he will build his kingdom as he works his seed more deeply within you. So not only is it not outwardly impressive, it also doesn't proceed rapidly. And in our day of advancing desire for gratification, it's just too slow. But, listen, he says. Listen to me. I'm not talking about nothing here. I'm not talking about fairy tales. I'm not talking about what might be. I'm talking about reality. Listen to me. Work it deeply into your life. Pray, seek, knock, obey, serve. Do the thing, the verbs that the New Testament gives us. Work it into your life and you will see tremendous change. And you'll be impressed because you know how hard it is to change. You can't change your children. You can influence them. You can't change them. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your parents. You can't change your boss. You may influence them slightly, but you can't change them. But Jesus is talking about real and radical change in the life of a person so that they who were murderers like Saul of Tarsus are murderers no more. So that those who did not believe now do. So that those who were dead in their trespasses and sin now live. And so as he works down within our life, we have this imperishable seed that gives us a tremendous harvest. The kingdom of God might start small, and it might look unimpressive, but it is the most powerful kingdom in the world. And if you don't agree with that, you're not looking you're not seeing. You're focused only in the moment or only in the outward display of power. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is the most powerful kingdom in the world. So don't allow these other things to distract. Don't allow these other things to enter in, the cares of the world, etc. Work it deeply into your life. No matter how hard your heart, his power is able to, dis to, to work. He says others like seeds sown on the good soil, they hear the word and they accept it, and they produce a crop of 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Your life will become significant for eternity. Your life will become significant for eternity as the kingdom of God, the spirit of God, the word of God are implanted within you and you work them out.
you will be a part of something far bigger and more powerful than you realize. Oh, I know, the world still laughs. And we ourselves inside the church are sometimes unimpressed by the pace at which change takes place. And we sometimes just don't see it. But Jesus said, look, it's there. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is like this. Next week we'll look at the second half of the chapter. But as we come to the table, let us reaffirm a commitment to work more deeply with the Lord this year. To let him have his way with us down to lower levels of who we are. And let us begin with the fear of the Lord. Let us pray. Well, Lord, forgive us for being impressed with the glitter of this world more than with the quiet and overwhelming power of the kingdom of God. For like a glacier, you, you move slowly, but you, you change things. Like an erupting volcano, you make tremendous change over time. And we've seen it. We've seen some change in ourselves this past few years, and we're grateful for it because we know that we know how hard it is to change anything about ourselves or anyone else. We thank you that you have called us to follow you. And we pray that as we come to the table now and in this new year, we might indeed follow you, trust you, obey you, fear you, and work down into our lives more deeply the truths of the gospel so that we become less hypocritical, less self-serving, less foolhardy in our decisions, purchases, and spending of our time. And we'll thank you, because only you could do this. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.